and it'll be verse 24. We're going to talk about building today. We're talking about building your life and what you need to build your life on, which we'll find out here in Matthew 7, uh, which is the Word of God. The Word of God, this Word right here, is the only foundation stone strong enough for you to build your life on and for it to withstand storms and anything that were to come against it. Amen. And not only is it a foundation, but it's also a blueprint for a life that God has for us that's greater than anything that we can imagine, anything we could plan for ourselves. Amen. And we'll get more into that as we go on. But uh, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24, I'm sure this is familiar uh, to a lot of you guys. This is Jesus talking. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, the word, and acts on them, will be like a sensible man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. And its collapse was great or devastating. So you'll notice here that Jesus is calling us to build. He's not saying, I'm going to build the house for you. He's saying, I want you to build. Here's a foundation. I've got this nice, solid rock here for you. If you build on this, you're going to have a strong house. And God wants you to have that. That house is our lives. It's it's a, a metaphor for our lives. And God wants you so much to have a strong life. To have a life that can withstand the enemy, that can hold up to some things. If you only knew how much he wanted that, he, he loves you and he wants that for you so, so bad. But in order for us to build a house, you notice that building isn't by hearing only. But only by hearing and doing is actual building getting done on that rock. Amen. By hearing and doing. So like I said, we have to do it, but we aren't alone in doing that. God's going to help us. And I just have a couple different ways here that I want to go over of just, just how easy and how simple God has made it for us to build a life, to build a solid life on the solid foundation of his word and on Jesus Christ. Amen. So the first thing is he has a plan, like I was saying. There's a plan for us. Now, I know, you know, just as a man, eventually I'll be the head of a household. And a lot of times, the men, we take on the role of planning. We've got to plan things. We've got to work things out. Uh, when we get to here, what are we going to do to go to here? What are we going to do to go to here? We've got to have, you know, in the world anyway, you, you have men that are uh, feeding a family, that are providing for a family. They have, you know, if they're uncertain about their job, they might have a a, a B, C, D, E plan for all of these things. And these things are constantly going on in our minds, these plans of what to do, of how to get things done. And planning is, is difficult, and it's not fun. It's not fun at all. But thankfully, God, he has got a great plan for us. He's done all the legwork for a plan. If you want to go ahead and go to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14, and I was looking at this, and this is uh, one of the Ephesians prayers, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with. Uh, but this is just something that's really good to pray over people that you know, people that are lost, people that are struggling with some things. But uh, I was reading this in the Amplified, 
And uh, I really was struck by, in verse 14 here, uh, I'll just read it out of the Amplified here. It says, For this reason, grasping the greatness of this plan by which Jews and Gentiles are joined together in Christ. So starting off there, it's, what I got was that this, what, what comes after this, is God's plan for us. Yeah. Amen. And I'll just read it here. It says, I bow my knees in reverence before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. God, the first and ultimate Father. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. He's the best. Best daddy. May he grant you, out of the riches of his glory, to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self, indwelling your innermost being and personality, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And may you, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, be fully capable of comprehending with all saints, God's people, the width and length and height, depth of his love, fully expecting that amazing, endless love, and that you may come to know practically, through personal experience, the love of Christ which surpasses mere knowledge, without experience, that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God, so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly more than all we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power, that is at work within us. So I look at that as the blueprint for my life. That's what God wants me to, that's the life he wants me to live. Amen. In fellowship with him, deeply rooted in love, uh, with having a supply by his riches that I'm supplied. Amen. And that's his plan for all believers. You're in there. You're in that scripture right there. You have a right to that. And the last part's the best part. It's beyond anything, super abundantly above all you could ever ask or think. It reminds me of like, uh, have you ever seen Star Wars? The, I think it was A New Hope when Luke Skywalker said they were going to rescue Princess Leia. And he said uh, to Han, you'll, you'll get a reward if you rescue her. He's like, how much? It's like, more than anything you could ever imagine. He's like, I don't know. I can imagine a lot. Right. And whenever I read that, that's what I think. It's like, I can imagine quite a bit. But still, it's better than that. Amen. So we have a plan. We got something here, and this is, this is just the general plan, you know, plan for everybody. But individually, specifically in your life, you have a plan. And we'll get, you know, a little bit later kind of how you flesh that out. But just look at the general. I mean, it's already good enough. The specific plan just makes it even better, just tailored, custom tailored right to you, your strengths, what you want, what you desire. It's just good. Amen. So we've got, we got a plan. And number two, he gave us a manual. A nice little manual here put together for us. So go ahead and go to James, uh, chapter one in James. Amen. Who's thankful for the word? Amen. Amen. So the word does several things for believers, uh, and we're grateful for all of them. But number one is it shows us, the word is a, it shows us a picture of who we are. It shows us who we're supposed to be. Amen. If you go to James 1 and verse 23, again, it's talking about being a hearer and a doer. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and right away forgets what kind of man he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who acts, 
this person will be blessed in what he does. So we're to be a hearer and a doer. Again, a hearer and a doer. And it shows us who we are. It says like looking in a mirror. Now, I know, and especially as you get older, the more you look into the mirror, the more you see. Amen? If you spend a minute in the mirror like I do, you might miss something. You Make sure your hair's good. You're on your way. But if you're a lady, you might be in there noticing any little eyelash. You know, you might be in there for 30, 45 minutes looking and making sure everything is all good and all put together. And, and so when you look at the Word, yeah, amen. We like you ladies looking as good as you can. Amen. That's, but uh, when you look in, that, in the mirror of the Word and you see yourself, if you just look at it and, and say, you know, there it is, but I'm not going to do anything about it. As soon as you go away, you know, you forget about it. I know I have this scar from when I was a kid. Whenever I would go to school or whatever, I basically grew up my entire life not even knowing, basically, that I had this scar, because I never thought of it. Only when somebody would mention it would I say, oh, yeah, that's right, and I would see it in the mirror, but I would just, when I go away from the mirror, I just forget all about it. It's not even a, a part of my being. That ought not be how we are with the Word. Amen? It should be written on us to a degree where we go out in life, and it colors everything that we do. It colors how we walk, how we talk, who we associate with, everything. Amen? I think of it, too, like uh, an artist. You ever seen on movies where you have somebody standing in, like, a heroic pose in, you know, the 16th century or whatever, and a guy's painting them, and they have to be absolutely still that whole time. And you'll see in a lot of movies, it seems like it's always, they move, and the artist gets mad and flips the painting or whatever. But... (laughs) We have to be looking at that. We've got to be looking at that word. We've got to have it in front of us. And we've got to be putting things on that paper as we're looking at it in order for it to be an artwork, in order for it to be a piece of art that can endure. Amen? So we're to be hearers and doers. Uh, go ahead and go to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 16. Amen. Thank you for that hallelujah. Amen. 2 Timothy 3, and all of these for the sound booth, they're in the HCSB, the Holman Christian. I just like that uh, translation. So that's what all mine are in, if that, that helps you all. So the word, is not only shows us who we're supposed to be, but it gives instruction as well. It's like looking at, uh, well, me and John Elmer, we had this playground out here on the side. We built that, me and him, and Brother Richard, uh, boy, he came and helped out one day, too. We were out there building it, and, you know, I'm thankful for the picture on the front of it, on the front of the box. It was great. You know, it kind of gives you something to shoot for. But when you open it up and dump it out, and there's just 100 pieces of wood and a 1,000 little pieces and screws and everything, you get the instruction book out, and you start going, and you start, okay, when I get here, I need to go here. And, uh, you know, like... <laughs> Like life, it, it, got, it got messy at times, you know, it was, we got, we maybe read over an instruction, didn't do it right necessarily, we had to go back two steps and correct it, you know, before we could move forward, but we had the instructions, amen, and it says in, in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 16, it says, all scripture is breathed out by God, so right there, it's already got something to it, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Amen? 
So the word is our instruction. Now, not everything in the word is necessarily instruction. You know, there's different uh, parts of the word that uh, there's stories and different things. But you can glean something from every bit of the word. Amen. It might not overtly be a do this or don't do that. But you can glean something from the word if you're in it. Amen. Uh, go ahead and turn. I'll get you going on the next scripture here. Go to John 16. John chapter 16. Amen. So the third thing, uh, the word is, and I, I keep saying, I keep wanting to say this is the best thing, <laughs> but it's insight into the mind of God. When we fellowship with the word, we're hanging out with God, basically. They say that you can tell your future by the people that you hang around, by your friends. That's true. Uh, the word says bad character corrupts good morals. The people you're around influence you. And they, like I said, they color your life. They change things about you. Even if you don't know it off the bat, they do. There's parts of them that's getting off on you. And when you're in the Word, that's God that's doing that. It's God that's rubbing off on you. It shows us who He is. It shows us what He thinks, how He operates, what He thinks about sin. We could all use, you know, a refresher on that. You know, especially in the world today, it's just kind of open season out there. And just whatever goes. And that kind of leads to the next thing. The word is absolute truth. It's a solid something to, to go by. See, because out in the world, it's, and there's no, uh, there's no structure in it. Out in the world, it's, I can do whatever I want. Whatever I want is good. If I can justify it to any smallest degree, I can say it's good. I can say it's right. And you know, I've done it before in my own self. You can justify about anything, just about anything, if you put your mind to it. Even stealing something, you know, you got people that go into, they go into a big store and say, "Oh, they're making plenty of money. I'll just take, a, I'll take a pack of gum here. They're making plenty." You can justify anything you want to justify, but you need something—a solid rock, a solid something that says, "No, that's wrong." And if you do it, you're wrong, and you have sinned, and you need to repent. Amen. And I just appreciate that. It makes it simple. Like, okay, I do that, don't do that. Yes, sir. All right. I'll... But people build their lives, they build their lives on these, uh, these like bins that they have. And I've noticed that it's not just, I don't know, it seems that people need to have something that they build their lives on. They need to have something within us. God built something, I'm sure, that we have to have something, a foundation, a, something to put our identity in. And you see all these people that they identify with. You know, they're a golfer, or they like sports, or, you know, their music identifies them. That's how they identify themselves. Or even your family. You know, that, and that seems not so bad, but if your whole existence, if your whole focus of your life and your foundation is in your family, that's not the highest it could be. Amen. And they can let you down, and that can get pulled out from underneath you. So everybody has their, a desire to build their lives on something. Amen. And when you start going out and building your life on, uh, I mean, you see all this stuff with transgenderism and homosexuality, all that stuff, and you see people build their whole lives on that. Their, there are entire industries centered around that. And you'll notice those people that live those lives, their suicide rates are out of this world. Depression rates are insane, uh, and they just live 
hopeless lives. And that's because they have not looked at the word and said, no, this is wrong. And even though, even though I might have a temptation to do it, a part of me might want to do it. If I don't, it's going to be better for me. I'm going to be fulfilled if I put that down, if I defer that gratification, and I line up with the word. Amen. And they, again, talking about natural studies, the happiest people in America are uh, married conservative Christians by all kinds of studies. Because, you know, for the most part, uh, their lives are built on the word, or at least enough of the word to make them, you know, have somewhat of a happy life. Amen. But God, uh, he makes, like I say, he makes the words, he makes the words simple. Amen. I like uh, Brother Hagin, his quote, uh, again, just real simple about the word. He says, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And that should be the end of the story. Now, a lot of people want to, they want to complicate the word, and I tend to kind of shy away from people that want to con- you know, complicate it and say, oh, this is this and that, and it, it means this, and they try to draw all these like, uh, metaphors and everything out of it. And I'm like, dude, it just says, bring your tithe to the storehouse. I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, but a lot of people that they want to overcomplicate the word, they just want to overcomplicate it so they don't have to do anything with it. Yep. So just, just bear that in mind. So uh, beside the word, uh, he gave us the, he's got a plan for us. He gave us the word, but he also gave us a helper. Amen. And that's a big deal here. John chapter 16, and we're going to start in verse 12. It says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So right there, very simply, the Holy Spirit guides us into the perfect will of God. Now, in order for him to guide us, we've got to be on board. We've got to be willing to be guided. And that's where I think a lot of people have issue. But uh, it says, like I said, it's very simple right there. If you follow him, he's going to guide you into the perfect will of God. And it goes back to Ephesians. Above all, you can ask or think right there. And that very simple, just being obedient. Helping us to fill the plan of God for our lives. But he's called a guide. He's called a comforter. He's called a standby, an intercessor. I mean, he's a valuable ally. And he's in, if you're born again, he's in here. If you're filled with the Spirit, he's, he's in you, he's working. You've been endued with power to overcome the world, to live a holy life by the Holy Spirit. And so if you haven't been, I encourage you, take, take advantage of it. Amen. Get him, get him talking, get him on some things in your life. Put him on some things. Amen. Holy Spirit, what do you think about this? Okay, I'll do that then. Yes, sir. Amen. Even little things. Uh, I was at the, the car dealership the other day getting uh, my tires rotated. This was, I think this was before we went to camp. But um, so I'm sitting in the waiting room. It's taking a long time. I'm kind of wondering what's going on. And the guy comes in and says, you had a bulge on one of your tires, and so it's not fixable, we're going to have to get you a new tire. That's going to be $180. And so it's normally going to be like 50 or 60 you know, so like, okay, well, great, go ahead and do it. I want, the, you know, I want it to be safe, riding the kids to camp. 
And so I go to the little checkout window, and I'm checking out and everything. And uh, I can't remember what brought it up, but uh, the guy was saying, yeah, we have all the, we have, uh, or he did the tire change, and where I was ringing out. And I know that Pastor had said in the past that a place he uses, if you get your tires done there, they will, I guess, take care of that vehicle. You get like a, a warranty, basically, for that vehicle for life, for the life of that vehicle. And so I was asking, do you guys have anything like that where if I get my tire uh, changed here, do I get any kind of privileges? And he said, uh, well, yeah, if you, uh, well, not for a tire change, but if you get like your oil changed or something, you know, something like this would be covered uh, and we would be able, actually be able to give you a free tire. And I was like, well, I just got my oil changed like a month ago. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, all right. And so he goes back and it all works out and they end up giving me a free tire just because <laughs> the Holy Spirit told me in a moment to say, hey, ask if something comes with that plan that, or it comes with you using them as a service. Ended up saving me a hundred and some dollars. So. so if living an abundantly above all you could ask or think life, you might save a hundred dollars. If that doesn't do it for you, you know, you might save a hundred dollars. Amen. <laughs> you should want it all. But God just makes it easy. So I'll just lay it out real simple. All right. Basically, this is me talking to God here. It's like, God, so let me just get this straight. Make sure I'm not being bamboozled here. So you have this great life planned out for me because you love me and you want me to do good. Uh, you gave me the word as a reference and a tool to renew my mind and to help me live this life, to help me be like you. And number three, you gave me a, basically a live-in tutor in my spirit that's going to guide me. He's going to help me. He's going to give me power so I can live this great life you planned for me. And all I have to do is... Just be willing to do the plan, hear and do the word, and follow the Spirit. That's it. When it comes to practical application, there may be some hiccups, and there's some things we've got to get. You know, our flesh wants to rise up. But in essence, that's it. If you look at that list and see where you might not be, where it might not be stacking up, just say, yes, sir. And that's basically it. Just keep saying, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. To do something. you got to... You have to hear the word. You have to do the word. You've got to be in a position where these changes can be made. Amen. And you've got to be in agreement because your, your will, is, even if you might have been taught in Sunday school, your will is not more powerful than God's will. Your will in your life has absolute power because you have free will. He can't touch it. So we have to be in agreement with. Amen. And I will say, well, that life sounds great and everything. But for whatever reason, I want to do what I want to do, and you can't tell me otherwise. Uh, yeah, that even if, you, even if you aren't doing anything, you are always building some little girl to, uh, I guess she was doing swimming. And um, he would tell her, are you trained or are you untrained? And she says, well, I, I don't know, I, I think I'm kind of in the middle. He's like, no, thing. and I agree with that. There's no such thing as a constant state. There's no such thing as... I've heard the word, I've gotten to this certain point, my faith is here, I'm just going coast now. You're sliding back. Amen. All right? Just settle that. When it comes to running, I don't know, a mile in seven minutes or whatever, I guarantee if I got on the treadmill now, I wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> it doesn't just stop. It doesn't, you don't just get a mark, and the next time you do it, it's always going to be there. Amen. It's always, you're going somewhere, whether forward or back. So what, I mean, what are you building with? What kind of influences are in your life that are causing you to move. Just think about that. Even stuff like movies, even 
Other, what other people think about you, their opinions. What are you using to build into your life? I mean, you could, you could technically, if you wanted to, I don't recommend this, but you could build a body, you know, for yourself, just eating Cheetos and cheeseburgers. And that's it. You build something. There's going to be something there. But I'm not going to speak to what all it could do or what could it stand up to. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, if you just, on Cheetos and cheeseburgers, you're going nowhere fast. But I just love uh, the example of David in, uh, in 1 Samuel whenever he is going up to fight Goliath. And um, you don't have to turn there, but in Psalm 119, it really gets you kind of a look into David's mindset, how he, how he thinks about the word especially. Uh, and it's actually the longest chapter in the Bible. It's like 176 verses. And it's every one of them says something about the word. And he uses words like think on. When's the last time you were out and you just thought on the word? The word just came up in you. And you thought about it. You were aware of it. Delight in. Pursue was another word. You guys in relationships, you know, do you pursue the word like you do pursue that lady? Even you married guys when you were dating, there was some pursuit that had to be done. There was some, uh, you know, you had to make the plans. You had to say, okay, we're going to do this, this, this. And you don't ask them if they want to do it. You just say, all right, we're going to do this. You just go for it. Amen? They use words like cling to, uh, meditate on, rejoice in, all of those to describe the word. And David was, when he was out in the wilderness, tending to his sheep, he had the word. He didn't have an iPhone. He couldn't watch YouTube. He just had the word. And so that was what got in him. And so uh, this is kind of a funny example, but have you guys ever seen the movie Shallow Hal or heard of it? So basically the, the whole concept of this movie is you got this guy, Jack Black, who if you don't know who he is, he's probably about this tall, about that round. Uh, probably on a one to ten scale, he's probably about a four in, as far as looks. <laughs> and he was always wanting to date these Nines and tens, these girls that were just absolute like supermodels, is what he was always going after. And it was just tearing his life up, and he couldn't ever be happy because of that. And so he got, he got hypnotized where he would see what people look like on the inside. So he's going, after he gets hypnotized, he's walking around, and he suddenly sees all these pretty ladies, and he'll talk to them, and they're like, hey, yeah, they're interested in him. And he's like, whoa, what happened? I don't know what's going on. And that's his view. But then you go to the other view, and this lady has, you know, of course, for the movie, they did it up real big. They got a prosthetic of a nose that goes down to here, and it's just, you know, they just look rough. And his friend was, he didn't like it. And he wanted to, get, you know, get him out of it. He wanted to stop him from having that, that perspective. And so he, he snaps his fingers and got out of it, and then, you know, that's, the rest of the movie goes on. But he ended up where once it, he didn't have it anymore, he missed it because that perspective was a lot better for him. Amen. He liked it. And I think about that anytime I think about David going into town and seeing Goliath out on the field. All these other guys, they have this certain perception of Goliath that he's this gigantic guy and he's a trained warrior and I don't want to fight him. Right. Nobody wants to fight him. And David comes up out of the field and he just like walks up and he's like, who's, who's this guy here? What, what's he doing out here? Oh, he's saying these things about us. And then in David's mind, he doesn't see a giant, but he saw an unfortunate soul <laughs> right. 
that dared to stand against God Almighty. And so he sees that, and, you know, it's like, it's like a little kid coming to the end of the aisle and telling me, hey, you want to fight? It's like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> and so God says, I want you to go out there and show him who I am. Amen. And David said, okay, yeah, I'll go out there and do it. Because he had the word in him so much that when he came into town, his perspective was just wildly different than anybody else's that was looking at that same situation. He had built himself up on how big God was, on how much he'd done for him and delivering him from the bear and from the lion. And he's like, this is cake. This is nothing. And I get all these extra benefits? Yeah, I'm definitely doing that. Because he valued the word. That whole Psalm 19, he valued the word. He had the word in him. Now, what if that was the church? What if the church had a tenacity like that? Had the word in them so deep that we just see any situation and think, you know, yeah, I, I can see how it would look rough to the world, but God's got it. Right. Yeah. You know, not even necessarily even seeing it yourself as being difficult, but saying, I could see how somebody from the outside would say that's difficult, yeah. But no, God's got it. Right. Amen? We can get there. Amen. But we have to, in order to get there, you've got to pursue the word. You have to cling to the word. You have to delight in the word and have it in front of you all the time. Have it in front of you, do it. And write what's in the Word, the mind of God, God Almighty. Write His, take His mind that's in this Word and put it into your heart. Put it on your, make it your mind. And then the world is just, you'll overcome anything Amen. if you have that. But it takes effort getting, getting to that place. It's like I've said before. I've heard it two different ways. I've heard the Christian life is difficult. There's lots of struggles. And then I've heard the other side. The Christian life's easy. It's simple. You just walk right through it. It's true for both. The difficulty is getting, there's a difficult part of getting your flesh, getting your mind under control, denying yourself, denying your flesh. But then once you get past that point and you get to a point where those things don't affect you as much, then it gets easier. And that's that life people talk about, about it being an easy life. When God just says, do this, and you say, yeah, okay. And then you might have a little bit of trouble, but you know it's going to turn for the better. Amen. And it just makes it easy. Amen. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and start kind of winding it down here. Uh, but I just wanted to encourage you this morning that if, if you aren't in the Word as much as you think you should be, and I know your Spirit's talking to you about being in the Word, about needing to be in the Word more. He's talking, to everybody. He's talking to everybody about that, even me. Amen. But I just want to encourage you just to make some changes. Uh, starting with meditating on the Word. Huge. Huge, huge, huge. That's what David did to kill a giant. I, was telling, I think I was telling the youth, if there was a pill in the world that you could take, and the guaranteed promise of that pill was if you eat this, Within 24 hours, you could kill a giant. You could kill a nine-foot-tall guy, no problem. There'd be people who would be buying that. The shelves would be just empty of that. Right. You could kill a lion with this pill or a bear. Oh, just everybody be snatching that stuff up. Now it's not a pill, but it's it's available. Amen. That is available if you take the word at its word. But meditating on the word. Praying in the Spirit is huge to build yourself up, to edify yourself. Releasing your faith by speaking. 
That's, I think, another thing that Christians have issue with. You don't talk the word. You don't speak the word. And the word says to speak the word. So when you speak the word, you're doing the word. Amen. So those three things, those are huge. But it, it takes effort. It takes diligence. But getting these things straight, this is how revival comes. This is how revival happens. Revival isn't just some outward thing that comes in necessarily. But revival starts with people. When you, 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 me, we all have this word in our hearts. We have revival inside of us. Then it starts springing up and starts reaching out to different places. But in order for us to be in revival, we have to each individually be in revival. It's not just something that just gets plopped on you and you're in the flow. Amen? So we need private time in the word, in the spirit, to build ourselves up. Uh, I've heard it said that, well, this is kind of a funny. Private breakthroughs lead to public victories. So if you want a public victory, you're going to have to get behind the scenes and put some work in. Amen. Fellowship with God. Fellowship with the Word. It's like people that take selfies at the gym. You know, they go in. This is how most people are. They go in one week, and they've done a couple of bicep curls, and they take a picture, and they want everybody to know they're in the gym. Where my point of view is, I'm not going to take any gym selfies. I'm just going to put the work in. And then when people see you got big arms, they think, that guy works out. That guy works out. He goes to the gym. He's probably gone to the gym for the last five years. You don't have to tell anybody. What you have, what you are, tells them what you've been doing. And, how, yeah, how your life is, what it looks like, it tells you and it, can, it tells other people how you've been living, what you've been putting your time into. That can be a harsh thing to swallow, but that's, that's the truth. But like I said at the beginning, God wants us so bad, so, so bad, for us to have a strong, firm life founded on his word because he loves us. He doesn't want to see our house get ripped down by the wind. He doesn't want to see the sand come out from underneath us. When we build our lives on things that are just not worthy of our lives to be built on. But I just encourage it. He loves you, and he doesn't want to see you hurting. He wants you to, to have a great life, but you've got to put him first. You've got to put his word first. You have to fellowship with him. Talk to him about it. Obey his word and his leading. Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, I just, I just want to encourage you, just... Take that for what it is. Uh, if you can, make some changes uh, in your own life, in your daily. Again, it's, it's not having a goal of wanting to do something, but it's what you do every day to get to that goal. And that's where a lot of people get bogged down. You see it in all kinds of self-help stuff, planning stuff. That's where people get bogged down is in the day-to-day grind. And so I just want to encourage you. Keep it up every day. Always be in the Word. Always be praying in Spirit. Always be going after God, clinging to the Word, seeking after the Word. Amen. Amen. Well, go ahead and stand if you would. We might beat the Baptist today.